Happy Christmas from us all at Manx Radio. Master Mai, good afternoon and welcome to the final episode of Perspective this decade. That felt a bit weird to say. This week, we're taking a look at what some might argue is proving to be one of the more divisive topics of the Quail administration. It's a talking point that always garners an enormous amount of comment and debate on social media, on the airwaves, in the pub, and one that sparks strong opinions on both sides. Let's cast our minds back to November 2018, when Garth MHK Daphne Kane made a proposal to Timwald. I bring this motion before this honourable court fully aware that it is a divisive one for our island. I bring it fully in the knowledge that certain social media commentators <coughs> suggest that my doing so, doing anything in, that in any way increases the possibility of bringing Syrian refugees to our island, is to commit political suicide. I hope that isn't the general view. We are not elected just to make the easy decisions. We also need sometimes to grapple with less comfortable considerations, to act according to our conscience and political beliefs. I also firmly believe that the Isle of Man is overall a generous, welcoming and compassionate place, as borne out by our treatment of enemy aliens during the wars. I believe the majority of people are horrified by the plight of the Syrian people and would wish their government, their parliament, to assist in the best way possible. That was Daphne Kane, MHK, addressing her Timwald colleagues in November last year. She wanted to see a Timwald Select Committee of three members to investigate the practical advantages and disadvantages of the Isle of Man's accepting refugees from Syria, what facilities would be required on the island to enable participation in the Syrian Vulnerable Persons Resettlement Scheme, and to report back to the court. So, no request for a commitment to resettle refugees here, but a request for an investigation into whether or not that would be feasible. It was a long debate too, around an hour and 20 minutes, and the vote was close, as close as it could have been, in fact. The members of the House of Keys present were 10 in favour, 11 against, with the Legislative Council voting 9-0 in favour. So, whilst across Timwald it was essentially 20-11 in favour of Mrs Kane's proposals, the motion failed to carry because the two branches were in disagreement. Of those 11 votes against, eight belonged to the Council of Ministers. If we fast forward to this month, December 2019, Timbald members could have been forgiven for feeling a sense of déjà vu. The question of the Isle of Man stepping up its international obligation in terms of humanitarian efforts on behalf of Syrian refugees is one that repeatedly is raised by concerned individuals and groups across the island. So, the topic of Syrian refugees arose in the court once more. And again, Daphne Kane wanted to see a committee of three established to look at the pros and cons of the island accepting a small number of Syrian refugees here. Fundamentally, then, the same debate again, except this time it was sparked by a petition set up by a group of students from Balakameen High School. Mrs Kane moved that Timwald took note of the public petition of Joseph Locke, Alex Kissick and others, which was presented to the court with collected signatures. And again, no request for a commitment to resettle refugees here, but a call for a feasibility study. Let's hear more of Mrs Kane's opening address. More than six million people have become refugees through events that were not of their making. Thousands become vulnerable as they face a second or third winter under canvas in countries that do not have 
the capacity to permanently resettle them. Many people on the Isle of Man have demonstrated ongoing compassion for their plight. The Facebook group, Manx Support Refugees, recently shipped out 17 boxes of winter coats to those Syrian refugees on a Greek island. More than a thousand people signed a petition presented to the Chief Minister in 2017 to seek support for the island's more active engagement in the resettlement of refugees. I am constantly surprised by the number of people who actively attempt to do more for Syrian refugees, whose case is special and recognised by the United Nations Refugee Agency as a humanitarian crisis. In July 2017, Junior Tinwald approved a motion that the Isle of Man should be taking in refugees. A year ago, this Honourable Court narrowly voted against a motion I brought to look at the pros and cons of resettling <coughs> refugees on the Isle of Man. Despite the responses from the Chief Minister in this Honourable Court to those previous questions and debates, many questions still remain unanswered in terms of whether the Isle of Man could accommodate a small number of refugees. I believe the UK has now resettled around 17,000 of its pledged 20,000 target of people by 2020. But latest information is also that there are 17,000 refugees, the same number, crowded into Moria refugee camp on one of the Greek islands. We are told by our <coughs> government it is more appropriate for the Isle of Man to contribute financially and assist greater numbers that way. Meanwhile, I note from the Cabinet Office website there is no record of any financial donation made to the Syrian situation or through charities supporting Syrian refugees this year from our international aid budget, as far as I could ascertain. If the Isle of Man stepped up to the same level of commitment as the United Kingdom, the proportionate number of refugees that could potentially come to our island, <coughs> if we were able to participate in the resettlement programme, would total 25. The response from the UK government last year was that they would welcome all offers of capacity and support. That does not sound like they rule out other communities such as ours participating. But what would it mean in terms of the cost on taxpayers? What would be the impact on our community? Could we cooperate uh, with Northern Ireland resettlement programme? <coughs> Could it be funded through our international aid budget? Would it actually be the best outcome for refugees, considering the possibility of isolation rather than integration? Have we the necessary housing and health services without impacting on services provided for local people? Would funding from the UK resettlement programme be assigned to the Isle of Man, along with the refugees, appropriate for the level of provision that could be arranged in the Isle of Man? Why have there seemingly been greater numbers of Syrian refugees settled successfully in Scotland, Northern Ireland and the North of England compared with the South of England. Could that inform any actions undertaken by the Isle of Man in this area? And what about untapped additional support there could be from island businesses and the community? These are all questions that could be answered by a select committee. A committee investigation would give clarity to the students and other people in our community who would like to see the Isle of Man consider what is possible, what is appropriate for our island. A key matter before us today is also whether members believe the Honourable Court welcomes the engagement by hundreds of young people in the democratic process. 
and will support the action they seek, that a select committee of three members be established to investigate the feasibility of the Isle of Man taking in Syrian refugees. It does not demand that this Honourable Court takes action to accommodate refugees, only that it investigates the feasibility of the island doing so. I salute the students of Balakameen High School in organising this petition and all those young people who put their name to the petition or the online version. Mr President, I beg to move the motion standing in my name. That was Daphne Kane addressing her Timwald colleagues on Wednesday this week. Next to speak was Claire Barber, MHK, who spoke of a recent trip. While at a conference in Iceland just a few weeks ago, I was privileged to meet an inspirational 10-year-old, Barna, and her mother, Fatima. Barna spoke of her early years in Aleppo, Syria, and of the deprivation of her safety and liberty due to a war that she did not start. She talked of the death of her school friend and of her frustration at missing out on her education and the opportunities it could bring. She spoke of her delight that Turkey had opened their doors to her family, allowing them to live safely, and for her and her siblings to be educated. Her mother spoke of their desire to integrate into a new community, to learn about new cultures, to contribute to their host country, but ultimately, when the situation allows, to return home. Barna affirms that a generation of Syrian children are defined only by their refugee status. They have no education and they have no future. She recently tweeted, some people say they don't want refugees in their country. They want them to go home, even though they have no home anymore, or to go somewhere else, even though the, peop- the somewhere else might not welcome I- them either. But there is no place for people to go. If you had no country or your parents or children were going to be killed, what would you do? It is incredible to consider how a simple arbitrary borderline divides normality from chaos, peace from war, and how something over which you have absolutely no control, your birthplace, can define your whole life. And all the while the situation in Syria is worsening. The bombs continue to drop, people continue to die, and the neighbouring safe zones become less safe. Every winter spent displaced in makeshift tents in overflowing refugee camps presents a greater risk of disease and death for these fellow humans. Because I assure you, that is our primary defining feature. We are all humans. Yet, since 2016, there has been no update to the Tinwood position paper relating to Syrian refugees. The committee has requested through this petition would allow this position to be reviewed and a transparent and open consideration of how best we can assist those people affected so gravely by a simple accident of birth. Mm. Now I'd like to talk about another group of inspirational young people. This petition came from a group of inspirational young people on our island. A group of people who cannot understand why our government has refused to look into this further and publish the information they have. A group of people who are engaging in politics Something this Honourable Court regularly talks about and discusses how to promote is youth engagement in politics. Well, I can tell you how not to do it. To vote against this sensible and rational request for further exploration of this critical international issue would disengage a group of young people. That's how not to do it. One of the petitioners signed the petition on his 16th birthday, the date he became eligible to sign a petition. On his 16th birthday, he was fighting for the rights of others. 
If that doesn't inspire confidence in our future, I don't know what will. I ask you all, how much worse does the situation have to get before the Isle of Man properly considers, because that is all we are being requesting to do here, is consider how best we can support the Syrian refugees? Thank you, Mr President. That was Claire Barber, MHK, in her address to Timwald on Wednesday. Laurie Hooper, MHK, stood to pass some comments on the UK schemes which affect Syrian refugees. I wasn't intending to speak today, but I just feel like it's worth commenting on the UK schemes very briefly, just off the back of something the Chief Minister said. I think the Chief Minister uh, did make a very good uh, case uh, when you talk about uh, the UK schemes don't currently include the Isle of Man and they have a, a much different approach uh, than we do. Um, the three UK schemes that currently exist actually are, are all funded by their overseas aid budget, as far as I understand it. Um, and we've already acknowledged that we are spending a significant portion of our overseas aid, aid budget on on refugees uh, anyway. So if, if there is a review of this policy, surely some of the resources are already there. And I'm not saying it's a one or the other approach, but I'm saying that there should be some flexibility there if we look at simply what's happening in the UK. It, it was announced in June this year by the UK government that they are looking to merge and reform all three of their uh, resettlement schemes. Currently they're focused on Syria, but actually they're planning, uh, according to their news release at least, uh, to expand the geographical reach of these schemes, uh, which would address the Chief Minister's concern, I think, that actually there are refugees from all over the world that may need support. And the UK is reaching out to all these countries now and saying, OK, let's, let's see if we can broaden our efforts. And if they are undertaking a review now, uh, with the intention of relaunching these schemes in 2020, surely now is the right time for the Isle of Man to review our yeah. approach. If the UK are already going through a review process, if we do want to be included in their schemes, now is the right time to ask them that question. Good point. I'd just like to, to conclude. Uh, the Chief Minister talked already about the, the great work that is done by the Isle of Man uh, with their overseas aid, and, and I think I'd, I'd like to acknowledge that work. But I'd just like to, to briefly comment again on a press release from the UNHCR where they said in 2019 they estimated 1.4 million refugees currently residing in 65 host countries will need resettlement. And so whatever we do, however much money that we, we give to charities, to worldwide organisations, these 1.4 million people still need resettlement. And I think it is incumbent on the Isle of Man to look at whether we can help even a small number of those millions that do need some kind of resettlement. Thank you. Ramsey MHK Laurie Hooper there. There were also extensive contributions from a number of other members too. Mr Hooper's Ramsey colleague, Dr Alex Allinson, gave a lengthy speech and would ultimately support Mrs Kane's motion, finishing by comparing it to the previous occasions the topic had been discussed before. We need to look at why this motion is very different to the previous motion. This motion has been brought by young people and students. In 2017, Junior Tinwald <coughs> brought a similar motion and passed it that a committee should be set up. So whilst I do not disagree with the current government policy, I think the Isle of Man is doing an awful lot, both in terms of government and the people in the Isle of Man, trying to help Syrian refugees. I do support the right of young people to bring such a petition to Timwald, the right for us to debate it and the right for us to act on it. And with that, I support this motion, Mr President. 
Dr Alex Allinson, MHK. Julie Edge put forward an amendment wishing to see the feasibility study carried out by an existing Timwald committee rather than a new one. She wanted it to be given to the Social Affairs Policy Review Committee, currently chaired by David Cretney, MLC. That amendment was defeated. Like Dr Allinson, Bill Shimmins looked to draw comparisons with previous debates. So what has changed since then? Well, the same honourable members make up this court. Will they vote differently? What's the point? We're having another debate. We've got the same people. We'll see. The plight of the refugees has worsened in, in the last year, and, and they have spent another year away from their bombed-out homes, and they remain unable to return to their country without risking death and oppression, as, as Miss Barber, Barber highlighted. <clears throat> what is really different this time is, of course, that this debate is in response to concerns raised by our young people. And I, and I would stress again, honourable members, we're not being asked to agree to receive refugees, but set up an, a committee to investigate the possibility. And that is a very important distinction, which we all need just to keep in mind. Bill Shimmins speaking there. So, Mrs Kane would appear to be gaining some momentum with her motion after several members voiced their support. However, as was the case in November last year, the Council of Ministers made it clear from the beginning they would not be supporting the move. The first point to say is that the information and the analysis that government has done through officers, through lots of dialogue internationally, is all published. There is a dedicated page and it's available there and the arguments have been presented in simple form and any more um, information that's needed, any more numbers that are needed have always been provided to any point. The word of 2019, I understand, the word that's been used much more uh, than any other word, and it's huge compared to any other word in 2019 compared to the word in 2018 and 2017, is youth quake. You know, youth quakes have saved this planet by drawing to the attention of polit politicians, public policy, the issue of climate change, and youth throughout the world is really focusing the minds of politicians and what I'm saying by this is you know thank you to my own daughter and her friends and all the other people at Balakameen who've actually thought about this and put this petition before us. The Voltaire Society of Balakameen actually called government to debate with them this issue 14 <coughs> months or so ago. The Voltaire Society is the debating society of Balakameen I was uh, nominated to go, and it was one of the best political debates I've had in the uh, last 15 months. You know, no disrespect <laughs> to everybody in this court, but it was an excellent <laughs> occasion to actually have that. Um, as part of that process, we refined the way that we actually presented information and analysed information about this issue. So not only thank you very much for raising the issue, but also thank you to the students for helping us explain it better. better. Another point that came out in that debate with the students who are causing youth quakes in all sorts of policy areas is that we don't want to mix up refugees and participating in refugee schemes with the Manx openness 
to immigration and the Manx openness to cultural assimilation, the sorts of points that were made by Honourable Council Member Mrs Sharp. <coughs> Culture Vanning has supported Manx Bulgarian cultural experiments. Culture Vanning has supported Manx Bangladeshi cultural experiments. And the great thing about our island is that nobody lived here 11,000 years ago because it was under the uh, ice... <coughs> ice cap down from Scotland. Everybody came here at some point over the last 11,000 years. <coughs> Half the people on the Isle of Man weren't born in the Isle of Man and the Isle of Man is a welcoming place and it was so sad to me to think that there were people at Balakameen who didn't you know, believe that, that we were welcoming immigration. We are. Now I come to the rhetoric and the cultural call. I mean a couple of people who have spoken today particularly have basically said we need to consider even though our minds are already made up because government's evidence is quite um, persuasive, perhaps, I'm not naming who those people are, but that's sort of been the argument. It's an old rhetorical device. It's an old political technique to actually use a committee to allure ideas, to strangle them slowly down that cul-de-sac of a committee you know, where the evidence has looked again and you could pretend that all you've done is you know, create a committee and you know, it's only fair that that possibility is raised at this occasion. You know, government has considered the evidence and it doesn't look like it makes it's possible to do what this petition calls for. So it would be completely illogical for government members to actually in any way support the luring into a, into a cul-de-sac of a committee <coughs> to strangle it slowly, the idea, you know, because that would, uh, that would uh, acknowledge the thing. Obviously, all, every <coughs> member of government's minds are torn because you know, inquiry, investigation is always helpful, especially in the light of the new information that's been suggested. And you know, with the amendment that's on the table to think about a policy review committee um, looking at this, what I say to that as a member of government is policy review committees can look at whatever they want. In fact, they should be looking at whatever they want. They should be raising important issues and calling evidence from people. Perhaps the Social Affairs Review Committee is not quite the right place because the Social Affairs Committee can only by itself probably look at the issues of health and education and social care and the like and it would have to work with the Economic Affairs Committee or somebody else to look at the issues of immigration and our participation in, in, uh, in international development more generally and in refugee schemes and our attitudes towards immigration and the like. We have given uh, a lot of consideration uh, to this matter but also fundamentally that the Council of Ministers believe that the, the way we get most effective aid and support is by giving the money that we're giving to get access and help and support and feed and clothe and water thousands and thousands of people rather than just uh, investing in a, in a small number. I also want to uh, 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 endorse the remarks that have been made about those who've brought, brought the motion. It is good that youth uh, uh, today feel strongly about issues that they wish to engage uh, in the political arena and, and I congratulate him for that. And I also want to endorse the remarks that uh, the Minister for Policy and Reform has made about the island being a welcoming society and that this is not about people's skin colour or, or where they live. This is about the fundamentals of doing what we believe is right, I think, in order to get the most effective support. <coughs> Uh, uh, to, to, to uh, people and to balance out the interests of what we're doing here on the island for our own uh, people as well.
I also just wanted to uh, perhaps disassociate myself somewhat uh, from the remarks from the Honourable Member for, for Council, Mrs Sharp. I don't think it's helpful to start mixing in the events of the Holocaust with uh, uh, what, what we're talking about today. And, and, and I would strongly urge Honourable Members to park those, those comments in when considering uh, this issue. Every conflict potentially uh, has a different makeup, but uh, that... Uh, the issues surrounding uh, that particular uh, genocide were, were, were <coughs> strong, deep, and, and had particular ramifications. So I, I, I would put those aside. I do want to pick up on the broader, broader issue because this really does come down to um, big political, uh, international issues uh, as much as it comes down um, to, to, to local issues when you consider this. And I, and I heard the heartfelt plea from. Uh, Mrs. Barber this morning in, in seconding uh, the motion, but I, I send out another heartfelt plea, you know, to, to, to back up some of the words that have a, a, already been said. In fact, the world's worst humanitarian crisis that's not even been reported, that's not even mentioned in this motion today, is actually taking place in the Yemen right now, where millions, 24 million people uh, are, are effectively suffering, 80% of whom are, are facing severe food shortages. Do you want to give, give you some facts and, and, and figures? And I think they're relevant to this debate, uh, Mr. President. You know, three million children there under the age of five are suffering from malnutrition, and 400,000 of whom are at risk of death every 10 minutes. What is happening out there at the moment, unreported mostly, by our newspapers is absolutely horrific, you know. And when we talk about looking after refugees, it's Syria today, it's Yemen tomorrow, it's other countries the next day, it's the Lebanon the next day, you know. These are conflicts that are causing immense distress. And when they happen, the problem that you get is if the world ignores it, then we are left to pick up the pieces afterwards. And I go back to my uh, statements that I made last time, that if people you know, really want to stop this kind of crisis, then foreign countries and countries and responsible countries in the United Nations cannot just stand by. You've got to get in there and stop the fighting. And that's the first step. And then we've got to get money to aid and shelter. And then we've got to get money in to help people rebuild their countries. Because we can't possibly take thousands and thousands and millions and millions of people. It's absolute nonsense. <coughs> and when the Chief Minister talks about getting money to help people, taking 25 from thousands and hundreds of thousands and <coughs> millions of people doesn't solve any problems, really, in terms of putting things right <coughs> in the world. And so I support what, what, what the government uh, is absolutely doing. And I think, actually, honourable members, most of you know in your heart of hearts, watch where you what, what you want to do here. You don't need a committee to come back and tell you what Dr. Allenson eloquently espoused this morning, even though his sentiment in supporting the motion was wrong. He pretty much told you what you need. You're going to need translators, you're going to need special teachers, you're going to need mental health experts, you're going to need more people in the hospitals to look after their particular needs, you're going to make sure they've got their religious needs looked after, you're going to need housing, you need access to benefits. So you know what's needed. You, the committee's just going to go and tell you all this and tell you it's going to cost millions of pounds to, to, to facilitate it and to look after them. 
uh, and uh, you know, to talk about how they're going to have to be integrated in various sections of the community. And it's not right, I don't think, for the Honourable Member, uh, uh, for Ramsey, uh, uh, Mr Hooper, to talk about the, the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom's communities are far more diverse. You know, when you look at the, the, the communities in their cities, the millions of people that live in London, for example, putting a, a, an Arab family into an Arab community and integrating them without any huge uh, trouble or speculation or intrusion on their privacy is probably a simpler exercise for the United uh, Kingdom. So for me, rather than pontificate about the rights and wrongs of bringing refugees here, I would rather the international community took responsibility. And where that's failing, then we need to get the money to the aid agencies, which is what we're doing, so that they can absolutely directly help and assist thousands of people on the ground, rather than us pontificate about the 25 or so that may or may not come to the island. We heard there from Ministers Chris Thomas and Alf Cannon. Mrs Kane's motion to set up a committee to look into the feasibility of resettling Syrian refugees did ultimately fail once more. And the vote wasn't as close as it was 13 months ago either, with 14 votes against in the Keys and just eight in Mrs Kane's favour. After the break, we'll hear some reaction to that news. Master Mai, and welcome back to Perspective on Manx Radio. If you're just joining us, we're looking at an issue which resurfaced in this week's sitting of Timwald, a divisive one, and one we've heard before. Daphne Kane, MHK, wanted her colleagues to agree to set up a committee which would look at the feasibility of resettling Syrian refugees on the Isle of Man. As we heard before the break, as it did in November last year, her attempts failed to gain the support of enough of her fellow members. We'll hear her thoughts on the debate shortly. But first, the whole reason the topic arose once more was thanks to a group of students from Balakameen High School who gathered signatures on a public petition. Some of them were in the public gallery to watch and listen to the debate in Timwald. So what did they make of the proceedings? John Moss caught up with them afterwards. Because we feel it's the best way for this issue to be handled, we think it's the most open way, uh, and it's a real shame that they, they voted against it. You have heard the Chief Minister say that money is being given, they feel that's yeah, yeah. the best way to get money to refugees, but you weren't taken with that argument? No, we weren't. Uh, we don't feel that that is true, for, because as much money as you give, the people who are receiving that, you know, it's, uh, it's brilliant work that they get, food, water, clothing, they're still in danger they're still in a war zone and it doesn't truly protect them and it's a very small number we're asking not even to ask to come to ask to be considered to investigate whether we can it's 25 um, and it's not that's not above it's proportionally exactly what the UK uh, is taking for per population it's not much to ask and it's uh, yeah no it's really sad that that's happened the point was made I think during the, the debate that in other uh, disputes in Yemen for instance there's an enormous amount of refugees there we're not talking about Yemen we're talking about Syria aren't we yeah and the chief minister made a point that um, the government has looked into the facts but actually that was an eight-page document whereas if you if what we were looking for is the feasibility of a select committee being established and they would look into more details than just an eight-page document. I don't think that it's 
moral to make a decision on such lives of these people by an eight-page document. You obviously feel impassioned enough to actually involve yourselves. I mean, you would be at school today, you'd be in lessons uh, yeah, or what? Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's lunch right now. But it's yeah, lunch, yeah. but you've been here listening to the debate. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you make of the arguments for and against? Um, there, were, there, were, there were understandable points for some of them on, on both sides, but I think a lot of the arguments against uh, were based not so much in facts, they were more based in the kind of idea like it would be too much effort, you know, we've already, we did the eight page document, that's enough, let's not go further, why should we go further? Uh, and I don't think it really takes into account the moral obligation that we just as people have to help those in need. There's five of you, um, six, three? There's six of you here, do others at your school feel the same way as this? Uh, uh, unfortunately, not everyone could come, but uh, like six of us represents about like 15 of us that are here, and uh, other schools as well. Like, but uh, are there students who feel perhaps the government is doing the right thing? You feel? Do you have discussions about this at school? Uh, well, yeah, obviously the school has got a debate club, the Voltaire Society, and this issue was actually debated. Uh, what debated was the vote? there. The vote, I, did they take a vote? I can't, I, I didn't think they took a vote. I think it Don't was more a of a It was a, a representative a from the government was but brought in. But were there in. people voting for the government stats, for I instance? I think one or two, but the vast majority of young people, you know, we're talking about maybe 20 people and a very small number thought the government was doing enough. Those were some of the Balakameen students behind the petition asking Timwald to look into the pros and cons of resettling some Syrian refugees here, all speaking to John Moss. Earlier in the programme, I mentioned that when this debate came up last year, eight of the 11 members against the proposals were the Council of Ministers, and 13 months later, it would seem they hadn't changed their minds. After the sitting, I asked Chief Minister Howard Quayle what he felt was different this time around. Well, not a lot really. Obviously, the, um, we received a petition and it was good to see the interest of our young people in external events. What was maybe disappointing is the lack of research that some members had done. They hadn't been to see the external relations teams, team to see what the, actually the Isle of Man government and therefore the people of the Isle of Man have done to help the people of of Syria and it's not a case that we, we don't want to help. We've analysed what is the best way to help the people. That was the point. Do we look after 25 where I think Mrs Kane was pointing out that there's an awful lot of people wanting to help privately um, if they came to the island but when the UK government run their scheme you must show that the government will fund it for five years and and that you have to do certain procedures and we costed that out at 1.6 million so we said well can we help what can we do we're not saying no but is that the best way to spend the fact that we'd have to alter all our housing rules, social security rules, etc.? Or can we help? We've helped 60,000 Syrian refugees with 1.7 million. So we've given more than the cost of looking after the 25 on the island, relocating and moving here permanently. And also, there's more money um, c coming up. You know, so we're not saying, no, we don't want to help. It's just, where can you get best value? It's, it's an, for, for taxpayers' money, and we felt helping up to 60,000 people who are in a dreadful position was better than what I feel is, a, is tokenism of 25. You spoke a lot about the evidence that the Council of Ministers has already gathered on this and the yeah. work that's already been done. A couple of members voiced a bit of concern that they perhaps thought that was hard to find. Well, that's quite amazing because some members admitted that they've just gone online and found it. 
Um, not one member that, uh, that I know of, and I stand corrected, but speaking to my team, not one member of, of those, Mrs Kane admitted she hadn't been to see the external relations team who deal with our overseas aid. She'd just gone online, and yet within minutes, a couple of members found the information showing where taxpayers' money has gone, what we've done, and that was disappointing. I, I, as I said in my speech, I respect any member of Timwald who's got all the facts and has a different opinion to me. But when they haven't made the effort to go and find the information themselves and then form an opinion, that to me is very disappointing in what is an incredibly important topic. Helping vulnerable people throughout the world is, is incredibly important that we we get it right and I'm more than happy to lose a motion if the people on the other side have done their research and have a different viewpoint but when they say they've got a really when they disagree with the council of ministers but they've made no effort to do to go and speak to the team that um, give out the aid effectively mm. then that that to me is disappointing. I think it was the Ramsey MHK Laurie Hooper who made the point that there are similar reviews ongoing overseas. Do you think in light of the findings of what happens elsewhere, we might see this crop up again? Well, Mr Hooper was correct to an extent. There is a consolidation by the UK government of their four schemes. They're not reviewing it, they're just consolidating four into one. We would still have to follow, because because we're not a sovereign nation, we would still have to follow their rules, and their rules are we have to fund five years and the cost for 25 is 1.6 million. So we're saying, well, okay, 1.6 million, we're not balking at that figure to be spent. Can we do better with that money? And we felt 60,000 people getting support from the people of the Isle of Man was better than spending it on 25. And it, it's, a, it's a horrible um, topic, and we've thought long and hard. We have published all the information and as I say members are more than happy to come along and speak to our external relations team who deal with this. Sadly that hasn't happened. We feel that we've helped more people by taking the policy that we do and the information is there for all Timbald members so having a committee to when the information is already there to, to me seemed a waste of everyone's time and would send a message out that um, was was wrong. The fact that this issue was effectively brought to the court by a group of students um, in the form of a petition which was then taken as a motion by Daphne Kane, does that change people's point of view at all, do you think, given some comments about the perhaps disparity between some young people and, and politicians, for example? Well, I think it's important to listen to the young people. That doesn't mean to say that just because the young people say A, we always do A. Mm. And I've listened to the young people, of course I have, and much soul-searching has gone into this decision in the last administration and this administration. So we've, we've listened to them asking us to review. We have um, looked at it, but nothing has changed. And we, you know, we made the best decision for the people of Syria. That's what we felt as an administration. And the majority in the House of Keys, the elected members, have agreed with us. That was Chief Minister Howard Quayle there speaking to me on Wednesday after the debate. Let's hear the thoughts of the mover of the motion itself, Daphne Kane, MHK. Was she disappointed with what she'd heard? I think I was disappointed 
for the students. I feel that perhaps I let them down um, happily after the his, here, the sitting. Um, I had a chat with uh, about half a dozen who managed to, to stay in for the whole debate. Um, and, and they were very pleased with how the debate had gone. Um, and although the, the final vote was disappointing, I think we flushed out uh, an awful lot of what-ifs and there is a possibility as was pointed out in this in the debate that if the social affairs policy review committee wanted to look into the government's stated policy on accommodating refugees then it has the ability to do that the chief minister's comments about the council of ministers having done lots of the work already to paraphrase um there seems to be a feeling among some members that they weren't aware of that no, I think we are aware of it. I, I certainly was given the um, eight-page document uh, last year. I think it is available on the website if you can manage to find it and track it down. Still not confidential, last time I looked. Um, but that's from the government perspective, and it's very much dismissive. No, we can't do this, and we're not a sovereign state, so we mustn't do that, and we're not going to talk or... or he, he was implying that members had been bringing motions, thoughts, arguments to the court without having done the background. Well... I think that's a little bit insulting because obviously backbenchers have a huge amount of issues to, to research. And I have to say, you know, the, the students who brought the petition are particularly well informed of the particular issues to do with Syrian refugees and the current situation um, with the number of refugees who need assistance. And I think we all uh, salute the, the previous efforts and the funding made available from the international aid budget from the Isle of Man. But when I was saying we should step up that effort, if it's possible, instead of providing heat, um, shelter, blankets, household items, what about providing houses to a small number of Syrian refugees? And the point coming out that that would be £1.6 million more in total than the actual total invested in the um, financial aid for a much bigger 30,000 people. Um, well, actually, what if that they were they were brought to the Isle of Man, they were able to integrate in society, they became economically active and, you know, re returned to the society and then went on to help others. And there is always that, that ambition at the end that should it be possible, Syria is being rebuilt, that young people, Syrians want to return and help rebuild their country and that there is that potential for um, trade or, or to, to stay in contact with the people we've helped and if there is an ability for the Isle of Man at this time when it was also brought out by Laurie Hooper I think that there was you know this time when the UK is um, consolidating its three schemes on refugees and now widening it after the 2020 deadline for resettling Syrian refugees to look at other refugees and how the vulnerable refugee resettlement program can continue in the future. Well, perhaps that's a time to ask, well, can the Isle of Man be part of that? Because as I've said, they, they, we have had this this response to a written question. So do you, do you think it's a topic which will come up again? Well, I think the community keeps bringing it back and people have... Um, very strong opinions one way or the other but I think in terms of the best use of our international aid funding if there is a, a real drive from certain members of the community that that could be spent better perhaps investing on actual individuals to resettle here and give safety and education um, and that can also bring a lot to our community then, then that is something that could be looked at and actually um, it might be completely impractical and I think that we would have serious issues over the level of translators needed and perhaps rural isolation rather than integration and we have to also look at what is best for the refugees themselves so I think I don't think it's by any means 
proved against or for. And the point of having um, the request for a committee and the, that the students brought was they're not convinced by the evidence or the, the document that the council of ministers has put on the website. And actually, I think this is a parliamentary, a community matter that says, actually, are there other offers of assistance out there in support that are untapped, that have not been thrashed out? And actually, if there was a call for evidence by a committee, whether it's a standing committee or a select committee that we failed to get, that all that information can be put together and then recommendations meant. And perhaps there is a possibility that the um, Social Affairs Policy Review Committee might take that up in the future. You've mentioned the word community um, four or five times there. Do you think what we heard in Timwald is reflective of public opinion on the Isle of Man? I've had a huge amount of um, feedback about this. Some very negative, absolutely, don't go there, stop this. Because anecdotally, some people are really quite upset about the thought of having refugees here. But it wasn't about having refugees here. It was about the possibility of using international aid budget in a better way, Mm. if that could facilitate refugees coming here. But again, it's, it's more or less to say, what are the facts of the matter? And the students certainly don't feel that they've got to the bottom of the facts. Young people who are really well researched and passionate you know if you can't have you can't be idealistic at um, a young age what hope is there for the future and i i've had a a, a whole um tide of support and compassion for syrian refugees and a bit of frustration that it's banging ahead against a brick wall and and government and comb in position is not moving and not in a way looking outside the box not looking to the community for what other offers of support there might be there Speaking more generally, lots of the issues that you are more passionate about, this, the refugees topic, um, climate change, education, are lots of topics which have a generational divide in opinion, perhaps. Do you feel this is another example of the youngest generations perhaps feeling a bit underserved by Tim Mould? Um, Yes, I think there are. And I thought we saw a lot of support for the young people's engagement in politics. But I think we can't just pay lip service to it. When it's a genuinely held concern, when they are passionate about bringing issues before Parliament for discussion, um, I think we owe it to them to give that serious consideration. And I don't think there were any members who weren't of that opinion. But I think... Do Do you think members had a different opinion given that it had come from a student petition. Did that change things? Yes, I think I would not have brought this back. I had finished with this last year. The the, the matter was put to bed. But the community keeps bringing it back. You know, the Manx Support Refugees had a huge fundraising um, campaign to get... Uh, winter anoraks across to the most needy. They're, they're, the issue is not going to go away. There are more and more displaced people that need more and more imaginative ways of accommodating and supporting them. And I think that, you know, the Isle of Man, if we take our position in the world, and although, of course, we've got the social inequality and we have to address the home issues equally... And I think Mr Morehouse was talking about constituency matters yeah. where mm-hmm. and a lot of people would say that look after our own first, right, to to paraphrase. Charity begins at home, but it doesn't end there. And the point being that if there are resources and facilities needed for refugees or people coming to the island, of course that should not take away from the provision for our own people. And I think that the point I'm saying is that you can't compare... um, the issues that some constituents have with the terrible 
appalling conditions that Syrian refugees are living in. And these were people that three years ago went to school, they had luxury apartments, they had a lifestyle that we would all recognise as being quite well-to-do, and they are bombed out of their homes. There's a civil war, there's a regime that puts every young man into the army to kill their fellow men. You know, it's it, it's unimaginable to us. And 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 I think Mrs Basker said she has nightmares, that what if, what would we do? Mm. And if... if there was any position that you know that somebody we knew in a community suddenly is facing that amount of strife and desperate need that we would want those communities who are able to support to step up and investigate how best we can support them the figure put forward was i think 25 people that would be um kind of rehomed here well for, for lack of a better word um some people might feel that was tokenism do you have any view on that? No, that that is a proportionate amount calculated on the UK's um, confirmed policy in 2015. They announced that they would accept 20,000 vulnerable refugees in a special programme that they put together. And based on our population size, the Isle of Man's comparable amount um, is 25 in total. So several families. Um, but actually, I am aware of some other communities where they found that actually social isolation is improved with greater numbers in certain areas. So it may not be practical for the Isle of Man to do that. And again, the, the translation services and the other um, aspects of medical needs that they may have. But actually, if we could look at it, then we should look at it, is my view. And I know there are opposing views, but we also have to look at the impact on the our own community and the impact on the individuals concerned to think what is the best way that the Isle of Man can step up in terms of its international obligations and international aid. Um, and I think we certainly got a lot of support there this morning and perhaps to say that possibly the, the stated policy that um, was put up a year ago, maybe it is time to take that off the shelf and re-examine it and think, have things moved on? The, the, you know, this problem is only going to increase with climate change and other disasters befalling various communities across the world. So if the Isle of Man can step up its international aid or review that policy, I think that could only be a positive thing for everybody. On a bit of a tangent, um, Kate Lord Brennan raised some interesting concerns about the process of putting a topic to a committee to investigate. Um, and I felt as though, in principle, she probably would have supported the, the thoughts behind your motion, but didn't quite like the process. Do you have a view on that? Um, no, well, I've, I think what I took from that is there have been several times with huge weighty amounts of documentation um, that people have sifted through and come up with recommendations that have then not got the support of Timwell, generally because of a lack of common support about one or other of the recommendations. Would that have just happened with this, do you think? Um, well, possibly. I think, actually, um, there was no lack of compassion there or support for the principle that the Isle of Man should review its policy on refugees, mm -hmm. but that the, 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 the could end up being a pointless exercise exercise given Komen's very strong stance that they're right and this is the best policy in the way forward. Um, so I, I really take out of that actually that if the Social Affairs Policy Review Committee want to look at it in a wider context that that actually might serve the community best for the future. And as um, Mrs Lord Brennan said it's quite difficult to get government to do things they don't want to do I think. Yes, and all credit to... Her, her words, not mine, I yeah. should say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But um, what we're finding is that, you know, any backbench motion up against Comin, unless Comin say yes to it going to a particular committee, 
generally it's a real struggle to get through especially we were two back benches down this morning through illness so I would say um, you know in terms of the parliamentary process in terms of democratic process and listening to the community um, there are always different opinions and different levels of where people think this should be um, but actually how can we put that all into the pot and sift through and get to the facts establish what we should be doing as our future policy if if we won't even look at the evidence or or question what is already there i mean it's a case of we're right this is the policy believers and actually the students have said no we think you should look at this and and it was i think it was a, a helpful debate this morning i hope the students are pleased that we got this far in terms of going forward and i think you know, just given the strength of feeling out in the community on both sides, I don't think we've heard the end of it. And how can we when there are millions of people being displaced and, and that is only going to continue in the future? That was Daphne Kane, MHK, speaking to me after the debate in Timwald this week about exploring the possibility of resettling a small number of Syrian refugees here. I wonder if it's a topic we'll see appear again. So, this has been the final episode of Perspective this month, this year, this decade even. Thanks for listening, and season's greetings to one and all. Have a good time.